uh, the Christmas season, and that is good news, and it means uh, a lot of good things are coming up. We've already talked about the musical, uh, the CDC Christmas musical tonight. Uh, we have a service project coming up this Wednesday night that we'd like to invite you to come and participate with us. Uh, that'll be at 6.30 in the gym, and Ruth Ann has done a great job of putting that together, and so we invite you to come and be a part of that. And then we also have good news because we have a family this morning who is placing membership with us. And so I'd like to introduce you to the Stewart family, and uh, I believe their photo is up behind me on the screen. And uh, this is uh, Jeremy, Lila, Aiden, and Callan Stewart. And uh, here's what they had to say about placing membership here at Skillman. My wife Lila and I feel incredibly blessed to have found Skillman through our daughter's enrollment at CDC. We feel Skillman Church of Christ is a community that embodies, lives, and teaches the very values and core beliefs we strive to learn, improve upon, and raise our family within. For this reason, among many, including all the incredibly warm and generous members of the Skillman congregation we've met thus far, we'd very much appreciate your earnest consideration for our membership within the Skillman family. And so we are excited to welcome the Stewart family here uh, to Skillman today. Uh, are, are you guys here this morning? Uh, yes, right here, right in front, right in front of me, yeah. Hey, if you wanna say hi to them after church, come and say hi to the Stewart family. It's a blessing to have them here with us. Well, uh, we are celebrating Christmas, and Christmas is a time of waiting. It's a time of anticipation. It's a time where we look forward to a certain day, to a day that we proclaim unapologetically, I might add, that our Lord, our God, our Creator, came to earth as a baby. And that is an audacious claim, and so uh, this morning I want you to be reminded of just how audacious this story is, that we would believe that a baby boy, a child who's born, would be God incarnate. And we're celebrating that today together, but not only are we celebrating that day, but we are celebrating the Advent season. Advent is a word uh, that's a Latin word that comes from the, the root adventus. And uh, Latin, in Latin it means coming. It means the coming of Christ. And so for hundreds and thousands of years, Christians have celebrated the coming of Jesus. But I love the Advent season. I love the story of Advent because it reminds us that the coming of Jesus is not a one-time event. Actually, we celebrate this every year because we believe that the coming of Jesus didn't happen once in the past, simply, but instead it happens continuously. It happens among us each and every day. We celebrate the coming of Christ 2,000 years ago, but we anticipate and wait for the coming of Christ once more. We celebrate the Christmas season because we believe that Jesus is coming again. And if that isn't good news, then I don't know what is. Because we are in a world that is in desperate need of the coming of the Creator. The coming of the one who will rescue and redeem us. The coming of the one who provides hope to each and every one of us. You know, it's easy to turn on the news. It's easy to think about all the things that are overwhelming to us, especially in this time of year. The, the holiday season, as joyful as it is, it can be overwhelming. There's so many things to do, presents to buy, there are people to go and visit, there are plane tickets to purchase, there are so many opportunities for us to get stressed and for us to become overwhelmed during this time of year. Not only do we have our personal responsibilities, but we look around in the world outside of ourselves and we see that there is evil present, that there are events that happen each and every day that are reported upon, that are shared amongst ourselves, Things that, that go on in this world that we 
don't like. Things that scare us. Things that, that provide the world not with hope, but with fear. The evil that is at work in the world is all around us. But even beyond the evil that we see, there is pain, too. There are people who are suffering, people who are dealing with diseases and illnesses, people that need a savior, that need a healer, that need to know what it means to be able to live and not simply to be sick. But beyond the evil that's at work in the world, beyond the pain that we might experience, there's also sin within each and every one of us. The sin that we see in how we treat our brothers or sisters around the world, the sin that we see that no one else does behind closed doors, the sins that cause us to be divided and separated. See, this is a time of year when we celebrate the coming of Jesus, and we need to be reminded about the coming of Christ every year, because the world around us is full of pain, evil, and sin. But let me tell you, church, as we wait for the coming of Christ, as we anticipate the night when Christ is born, we don't simply sit idly by. Waiting doesn't mean that we do nothing. Waiting actually means that we are beginning to bring about the future that God has called us to live into. Waiting means that we have an opportunity to begin to heal the wounds of the people who are experiencing pain. That we have an opportunity to push back against the evil that's at work in the world. That we have the opportunity within us to repent of the sin in our lives and to change who we are, to look more like Christ. Church, waiting doesn't mean sitting idly by. Waiting means to prepare, to prepare for the coming of Jesus, to prepare for a world that will be made right. And I think that, that brings us to a good point for us to turn in our Bibles to Mark chapter 1 and to begin reading this morning what it means to wait and to prepare. The Gospel of Mark doesn't get a lot of treatment during the Christmas season because the Gospel of Mark doesn't start like Matthew and Luke with the birth of Christ. The Gospel of Mark doesn't start as the Gospel of John does with creation. The Gospel of Mark starts with exile and exodus. And so I'd like for us to read the first verses, the opening verses to the Gospel of Mark together this morning. Mark chapter 1, starting in verse 1. The beginning of the good news about Jesus Christ, God's Son, happened just as it was written about in the prophecy of Isaiah. Look, I am sending my messenger before you. He will prepare your way, a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord. Make his paths straight. The Gospel of Mark begins with wilderness, with exile. It begins with a voice calling out from the desert. It begins in the place where God's people had waited for 40 years, waiting to inherit the promise that God had given to them. If you remember back to the opening chapters, the opening books of the Bible, God's people, the Israelites, are brought out of Egypt in the book of Exodus, and they are brought to the very edge of the promised land, the place where God had told their ancestors, you will inherit this land, this good land. Not only will you inherit this land, but you will take it and it will be a blessing to you. You'll be able to live here and it will be a good place for you. And the people come up upon this border of the promised land and they see what is before them. And they're not ready. They are not 
prepared. And so they spend 40 years wandering in the wilderness, not quite ready to inherit their promise, waiting for a new generation to be born and raised so that they can be ready, so that they can be prepared to enter into the promised land. See, God's people knows what it means to live in wilderness. God's people know what it's like to be waiting, to be preparing. This was part of their story. But for us, perhaps the wilderness doesn't quite connect. So maybe for us, a better example this morning for us to think about is a a people who are waiting on the edge of a new world, waiting because they know and they've experienced what it's like to have unfair representation. They're waiting for this new world to become a reality, a new place to live, a new place to call their home. Maybe for us, that's still a couple hundred years old. Maybe for us, the idea of unfair representation still doesn't quite connect. Maybe for us, a better example is to look around and to see the inequality that's faced in our world. People from different backgrounds, people from different places and different parts of the world, people who have different experiences, and all of us come at these different opportunities with unequal representation and fairness. Maybe that doesn't quite connect with us either. Maybe for us, a better image is not a desert, but a utopia. Maybe the thing that we struggle with is not having nothing, but having everything. And learning to trust God that even in the midst of all that we have and are fortunate to have been given, that even then we are preparing and waiting for the restoration and the coming of this world when Jesus joins us again. There are so many different images that we could use, so many different ways that we can begin to understand that we are waiting for something. We are waiting for the coming of Christ. We're waiting just as the people of Israel waited in the wilderness to come into our inheritance, to come into a world that is made whole. Mark says, a voice is calling out in the wilderness. This voice is calling out to the people and saying, make ready the path for the Lord. For Jesus is coming. And we celebrate that during this season. But I told you that waiting doesn't simply mean sitting idly by, it means to prepare. And the Gospel of Mark continues and tells us the story of John the Baptist, the one who is calling out and preparing the people for the coming of Jesus. In Mark chapter 1, verse 4, this is what it says. John was in the wilderness calling for people to be baptized to show that they were changing their hearts and lives and they wanted God to forgive their sins. Everyone in Judea, And all the people of Jerusalem went out to the Jordan River, and they were being baptized by John as they confessed their sins. And a shiver runs down the spine of the leaders of the Jewish people. John wore clothes made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And a shiver runs down your spine because you look up here at me this morning and you think, you don't look that different from John. This is what John says. He announces, one stronger than I is coming after me. I'm not even worthy to bend over and to loosen the strap of his sandals. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit.
John's message to the people. All the people of Judea and Jerusalem is to come to the wilderness and to there repent and change your life. Certainly doesn't seem like a popular message. And yet all the people flock to John's teaching. All the people flock to the baptism that John is offering them to this new life, to a new creation that's made possible by their repentance. The people of God were yearning for a new world. They were yearning for a new opportunity, something different to take place, where instead of the pain and the evil and the sin that they saw in their lives, that they would be renewed and welcomed into God's family. The image of baptism is a beautiful image. It means that we are being drawn out of what's old and into something new, given a new life and new opportunity. And don't you think that that people, the Jewish people, whose entire story was wrapped up in living in the wilderness, saw this as a beautiful example of the way that the world was being remade? Because all of a sudden, the wilderness, the place where they had wandered and waited for 40 years, is no longer a place of wandering and waiting. And instead, all the people are gathering together at the waters of the Jordan River. It's no longer a desolate and lonely place. Instead, it's the place where they're being baptized, repenting and changing their hearts and lives and being brought into a new life. And suddenly, the wilderness is the place where the people are gathering. And not only is the wilderness the place where they're gathering, but it's the place where they experience newness of life, where the waters of the Jordan River wash away the pain and the evil and the sin and provide them a fresh start, a new opportunity. But John, even then, even in the midst of the world that's being changed around them, even in the midst of the newness of life that they've been given, John says, one greater than I is still coming. And he will baptize not with water, but with the Holy Spirit, with the presence of God, the breath of God that created this world. The one who is coming after me will baptize with the presence of the Holy Spirit. I love Mark's gospel. Mark's gospel gets straight to the point. And so immediately after this encounter, immediately after John says, one who is greater than I is coming into the world, Mark tells us exactly who it is. It's Jesus who's come into the world, and Jesus himself is baptized. Not only is Jesus baptized, but he is sent into the wilderness to have his own 40-day experience there. And when he returns from that wilderness experience, Jesus goes back to the people of God in Galilee, and he begins to preach good news to them. Because this Jesus knows what it's like to live in the wilderness. But this Jesus knows what it's like to be given to experience and to hold the presence of God within him. For he is God incarnate, God with us. Jesus gives us a message of good news. And it's a message that was good then, and I think it's still good today. Because not only do we see evil at work in the world around us, not only do we experience pain and suffering, and not only do we have sin at work, but we can turn on the news and we can be bombarded 
with stories about how this or that public figure misappropriated funds, or how this or that beloved actor or public figure harassed and assaulted women. Or we can turn on the news and we can be bombarded with messages about how this and that country are at odds with one another, and it seems like war is on the tip of everyone's tongue. And into this world, we anticipate and we wait for the coming of Jesus, the coming of the Creator, who will remake and restore this world back to goodness. We are waiting, anticipating, and preparing and church, let me tell you, this is a full-time job. Each and every one of us need to be reminded daily, if not annually, that this is the work that we have been born into. When we entered into the waters of baptism as new believers in Christ, we entered into the work of preparing this world for the coming of Jesus the restoration of God's good creation. This is a full-time job, and I don't mean that you have to enter into ministry to do this. You can do this within your families and with your neighbors, with your friends and coworkers. It's a full-time job to preach this message of good news to the world, a world that is in desperate need of hope. I'd like to share with you a painting uh, that's done by a painter named George Frederick Watts. Uh, this is a painting titled Hope, which is a beautiful title for a painting, and it is certainly the reason that we are gathered here together to celebrate the coming of Christ, because we believe that the coming of Jesus offers this world and it offers us hope. George Frederick Watts lived in a century, during the 19th century, where scientific advancement and discovery uh, were huge where different philosophies of life and being were being unveiled and were being, uh, people were beginning to believe into these new philosophies. And things like Christianity and the ancient religions of the world were beginning to be pushed back against. And George Frederick Watts was born into a Christian family, became an artist, and he painted this painting. And you might be able to see it, you might not, but it's a woman sitting on a globe holding a harp in her hand that only has one remaining string and she's playing and listening to that string. And this is what Watts wrote about this painting to a friend before he had finished it. He said, Hope, sitting on a globe with bandaged eyes, playing on a lyre which has all the strings broken but one, out of which poor little tinkle she is trying to get all the music possible, listening with all her might to the little sound. Do you like the idea. He went on to finish this painting, a painting of hope, who's experienced suffering, who's experienced heartbreak, and yet who is still holding on, still listening for that one last note, for the song to be played. Church, this is a beautiful image, but even more, I think it's an appropriate picture of the world that we are living in people who are holding on to one last straw of hope, people who are waiting for one last glimmer of something better to come. And Watts perfectly captures the image 
of the incarnation. In a world that we are anticipating and waiting, in a world that needs to be prepared for the coming of Jesus, for the restoration of this world, Watts pictures it for us. It's into this world that we have work to do, church. It's into this world that we are reminded today that we are a part of. It's into this world that we have an opportunity to share the hope of the coming of Christ with our friends, loved ones, and neighbors. Christians, we have work to do. A voice is calling out from the wilderness. Prepare the way. Do you like the idea? This morning, our elders are going to gather around the room, and they're going to be ready to receive you in prayer. And if you'd like to join them and say a word of prayer for yourself or for the world in which we live, a world that is in desperate need of hope, we invite you to do that. I'll be down front, and I would love to pray with you and to talk with you as well. Would you please join us as we stand and worship together?